Who knew that we had this much to talk about? Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. What is it like refereeing Karen Duggan on a pitch? We've heard many things. Very quiet, easy day. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTV Sports app now. All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. We've got a busy show ahead. John Giles is going to be with us live at half past seven. You can get your texts in, 53106. Going to be talking about Roy Hodgson's appointment at Watford. Roy Hodgson, seven years younger than John Giles and going back into the Premier League once again. The potential of Frank Lampard going to Everton. What's going on with Antonio Conte and Tottenham and not getting any of those signings? All those up for debate with John Giles in around about 25 minutes from now. After eight... Tommy Walsh is going to be with us uh, talking about the genius of TJ Reid after his heroics once again for Bally Hale at the weekend and also looking ahead to the start of the Allianz Hurling League season. And then at nine o'clock, I'm going to be joined by the St Mirren manager, Jim Goodwin, a former one-time Ireland international and one-time Celtic player and went on to have a really good career in the lower leagues and is now a important figure in the Scottish game, managing St Mirren, managing Jamie McGrath for now. And we will talk to him about that and Jamie McGrath's future and much more besides so get your text in 53106 add off the ball if you want to get in touch on Twitter Richie McCormick good evening young Nathan how are you I'm alright Joe Manoy how are you hey gents I like that lineup, Nathan like that lineup, very nice thank you uh, Jim Goodwin is someone we've wanted to get on for a while because listen, there's not many Irish managers uh, working outside of Ireland right now I know John Sheridan's gone back in at Oldham so he's the only Irish manager in all four of the professional divisions in England and Jim Goodwin's plying his trade at the moment with St Mirren they're eighth in the Scottish Premiership table but they're beat Aberdeen on Tuesday night so they're only three points off getting in that top six which for St Mirren would be a massive achievement he's someone whose career I always follow I don't know if you've had this where he's at November 81 I'm November 81 and when you were playing football as a kid you were always looking around as to who were the best guys around the country the same age as you and how far behind were you uh, I was a long long way behind but I remember at 15 16 Jim Goodwin John O'Shea everybody was talking about these guys and obviously he became part of uh, Brian Kerr's team that won the European Championship but under 16 level he was a centre-back partner with John O'Shea in that and he kind of always were waiting for him to make that breakthrough and it never really happened he is a quite remarkable record where he played once for Celtic Kenny Dugleish gave him a game right at the end of the season back in 2000 and he played once for Ireland came on at the end of the Finland friendly which was the first game after the 2002 World Cup and he played for 10 minutes at the end of that and he's brilliant talking about them how actually like for him that was living the dream he actually did it there's no God I was at Celtic and it never happened I was in an Ireland squad and it was never happened actually has the jerseys has all the memorabilia and can say to his 8 year old son look what I did which is such a refreshing outlook to be able to look back in your career with absolutely because he's still in the 1% he still beats everybody at most tables around the pub you know if it's a show us your medals contest I'm clinging to Johnny Sexton and Ronaldo now I'm also a long way behind them both but the fact that they're still playing is very good for my ego yeah, there is there is nothing worse. Uh, I, I When I was that sort of 14, 15, 16 year age, I used to spend like uh, weeknights, weekends touring the country with my father and he'd be bringing players from Mayo up to play for Belvedere and Stella Maris and going to international trials and all of that. And I was I was never at that level to really go to the trials, but you'd see uh, all these guys. And I do remember going to, I remember going to see Jim Goodwin, who again was about, you know, six foot two it felt at the time and about eight inches taller than me and a man at 15, 16. I always remember going to an Ireland under 15 friendly and seeing Richard Dunn and Jason Gavin playing centre-back at under-15s, both of them with tashes. I thought, both of them about six foot three at this stage. I was like, nah, I don't think this is ever going to happen for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing when you think back. I, I had a mate who was a brilliant footballer and over at Man City as a as a teenager and played with the Irish underage setup and uh, went to see a couple of his Ireland games and it was Willow Flood oh. who was a real star at that age you know and Willow Flood very memorably on a Monday night football got on for City and got man of the match against Norwich I always remember it because I'd seen him but geez at underage anyone who saw Willow Flood come through a cherry orchard or beyond would remember talent like running the game bossing the game and uh, when you watch them at that age you kind of think well there's just no way he can't not make it but of course it's so ridiculously competitive isn't it we've all I mean, geez, he still made it. He still. Had a well, this is game. this is much like Jim Goodwin. In a way, you kind of go, "Oh, it didn't happen for Jim Goodwin." Yet he went off and he played for Stockport in League One, and he played for Scunthorpe in League One, and went back and played and won a League Cup in Scotland with Saint Mirren, and played 500 league games of professional football. And Willow Flood again, because you know he was like the buzz around Dublin at the time of a Willow Flood was, you know, oh, yeah. ahead of a Stephen Ireland, and he goes and he plays 400 times professional football, but because it wasn't at Manchester City it wasn't in the Champions League you sort of think ah where did it all go wrong whereas I think more and more we're going to appreciate those type of careers you look at Owen Doyle coming back to St Pat's and we had him on the show a few months back and like the amount of goals he scored around League 1 League 2 is just insane yet if he'd come back and done that in the League of Ireland we'd be raving about him for years and saying he should have been in Ireland squads but you just sort of let it go so uh, yeah it just probably rams home Richie that we you know should give the Glen Whelans of this world uh, a bit more respect yeah absolutely like the lower leagues like it's still like we mentioned about being an Ireland international it's still like the 0.05% or whatever will ever manage that but like even managing to play professional football at any level or oh, uh, somewhere like England is like it's an incredible achievement for a footballer and like the, the the path like my locality is is littered with people who never fully got that opportunity like um, there was a young lad in I think he was in the same year as me in primary school uh, Michael Foley who was one of the proper prospects at Liverpool went over to Liverpool at quite a young age Kevin Keegan had spotted him while still Newcastle manager and said this lad's going to be the guy who's going to come through and, and run the Liverpool midfield for years to come and the injuries um, kind of took their toll on him and it never happened for him uh, Richie Partridge I think was a couple of years ahead of me in, in wow. secondary school he obviously and we had him on the programme a couple of months ago he had his own injury problems as well and then you think of that game that Jim Goodwin played in I think Graham Barrett make his debut in that match as well or he certainly mm. made one of his few caps in that game too and things just went badly wrong for him so to actually forge a career and for it to be you know a decade long maybe or more in the football league and to you know go on into management then like it's it's quite an achievement and we should you know praise the likes of of Owen Doyle uh, of Paddy Madden who's gone over uh, after getting a cap for himself of course a few years back and going over and, and forging these careers in the lower leagues as a relative of mine a very distant relative of mine uh, played in in Wembley finals for Swindon in the last few years too and and you know it, these are achievements uh, you mightn't see them on Monday Night Football <sighs> I'm trying. His name. His name is McCormick. I can't. Is it? Is McCormick? Yeah. He's McCormick, and he played for. Um, Close play family for member. After actually. Look, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh Alan God, McCormick. no! It's, like, it's it's distant, distant, distant. It's Alan di- like he was from Scaries. Um, my, my dad had a had a side of the family that was out from Scaries direction, and they were from, and he was part of that. Right. So yeah, like it, 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 it kind of we we shouldn't forget about these people who are doing pretty well for themselves. They're yeah. you know, probably so, doing a lot well, better than we are, and I'm so playing, Nathan, I'm playing no. football for a living. Excuse me, Richie. Sorry, apologies. Uh, I thought you were done. Uh, Nathan, just to get you in trouble then, Glenn Whelan, his career, does that trump 
any GAA player of a similar decade. Is, is Glenn Whelan a greater <laughs> Irish sports person? And you're the only one answering this. Richie and I are, are, are pleading the fifth. Is Glenn Whelan's sporting career more impressive than Henry Shefflin's, Bernard Brogan, Joe, Stephen Cuxton's? Joe, Joe, Joe. Answer the question. Joe, we're go- you're going for the ultimate clickbait headline okay. here. Uh, I, 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 I don't think they're comparable because... And yet I'm asking you to compare them, so proceed. Uh, I, listen, Henry got... There's different pressures, isn't there? There's different pressures at the level Glenn Whelan was playing at to the level Henry Shefflin was playing at. So I, I just don't think they're comparable. But I, I, oh. I always... I do think that Whelan yeah, clearly gets a massive amount of disrespect for playing at the level he did and the hundreds of Premier League appearances that he had. You know, maybe it's a... You know, Paul Mannion and the talent he had as a soccer player. Like we saw what he achieved as a GEA player. What would he have needed to achieve as a soccer player, Joe, to match his achievements as a Dublin footballer? Well, that's a ridiculous question. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the full football show with Jim Goodwin. Uh, not showing his ambitions. Uh, he's, he's only 40, so he's uh, talking about, you know, one day the Ireland job and feels that, you know, Stephen Kenny has maybe opened doors for managers and uh, people like him. And also we're going to touch on the Jamie McGrath situation. I still, as St. Mirren player, feels that maybe some of the advice he's been getting over the last while hasn't been the greatest. Uh, but knows at a club like St Mirren I'm really good on that actually at a club like St Mirren the balancing act of you need to show players actually that if they come you're going to let them leave that we're not going to handcuff you here that if somebody comes in we will let you go and flourish so uh, Jamie McGrath he doesn't go now he will be going during the summer so that's coming up after 9 o'clock I sort of buried the lead here but uh, Tommy Walsh is coming up after 8 o'clock uh, breaking news Tommy Walsh's chickens four of them four and they've just started laying eggs because they reach a certain age you mean I don't know they, they just uh, said just this week they started laying eggs okay then they lay they, them all year round once they start well that's so this is a little business he's got going um, they have names but he wouldn't tell us what they were Henry TJ ah, come on I know I thought he might let the off the ball listeners name one of them but no so now I'm, uh, I am definitely more than interested in Tommy Walsh's chickens uh, so yeah they've started laying eggs he's just going to start putting them up at the end of the road you can go and pick them up whenever you want uh, also puts TJ Reid on a level with Henry with Eddie Kerr with DJ Carey that that is the level that TJ Reid has managed to reach over the last few years which watching him on Sunday at 34 doing what he did uh, is hardly surprising Joe no outrageous absolutely outrageous I mean he described his uh, shot at the end as luck you know just a bit of power and luck but I mean think he's doing himself a disservice again that's it's, it's one of these impossible questions i presume tommy Fen, fi, will find it impossible to separate those three or four that he mentioned but i think a lot of us can go so far as to agree that he's in that bracket for sure i mean how do you split him and henry on a given day i don't know but i mean even just to have that conversation is amazing it, it speaks to what tj reed has done and i would say maybe um henry a bit a bit more celebrated across his career mm. tj in the last four or five years I guess because of the time that Henry was there and been a part of the greatest team of all time which TJ was a part of which I still think that TJ Reid is a young guy like he's 34 he was has a medal from 07 even though he didn't play in the final but scored four points off the bench in 08 came off the bench again in 09 so he was a part of that great Kilkenny side but I guess TJ was or Henry was the leader he was the icon of that time and while TJ has helped Kilkenny win all Ireland's that maybe no other county would have won it probably is only the last three, four years where he's been the man. He has been, without question, the man in that Kilkenny side. So, listen, if Tommy Walsh is putting him in that bracket, I don't think 
uh, any of us can really argue too much with it. 53106 is the text number. The news round is brought to you by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. And some big news, Richie. Katie Taylor is going to Madison Square Garden. She has finally confirmed that Katie Taylor will headline Madison Square Garden, the 20,000-seat main arena. The undisputed lightweight champion of the world will face the seven-weight world champ Amanda Serrano at the iconic New York venue on April 30th. The pair were scheduled to meet in May of 2020, but those plans, as were many, were scuppered by the pandemic. It'll be the first time ever that two women have headlined the main arena at MSG. Uh, this is huge, Joe. It is the main arena at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Ronan Mullen, our boxing aficionado, was saying they do have the smaller theatre at Madison Square Garden, which you would expect for a fight uh, like this. But actually, they feel that they can sell out Madison Square Garden, uh, the full thing, 20,000 people. And it's, uh, without question, I think the biggest fight in the history of women's boxing and one of the biggest fights for Irish boxing in decades. So April 30th, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, you kind of have to remind yourself that when Katie Taylor was a girl, she was having to sneak into clubs to box and do it under uh, secrecy almost. And there was no women's boxing at Olympic Games. And there was certainly nothing like this. It's, it's kind of miraculous, really, and wonderful that she's continuing to break boundaries. And so uh, this is amazing. There'll be 20,000 plus at this fight in New York. Uh, she's a trendsetter. She's historic. I mean, she will be looked back on as the trendsetter for this sport. So I just hope she bloody wins it now. And that would really mm. cap off the career. I mean, a win here. That's kind of most boxes ticked. I don't know what her retirement plans are. Does she ever even dare think about that word? But uh, after this, what else is there, you know? So this is the cherry on the icing on the cake. And it's amazing. It's it's kind of extraordinary that she came from this little island and she's uh, leading this sport. So uh, I can't wait for the fight. I mean, obviously, I'm available to go, Nathan, if we're... Uh, yeah, Ronan Mullen's like I've been covering this sport for years. I like, let Ronan go. I let Ronan go. Like this is this is sort of you know this is more the glamour side of it. You know you want to be there for you know the the nights where they're making it. Like you wouldn't enjoy yeah. this, Ronan. You wouldn't you wouldn't no. enjoy Madison Square Garden at all. This is tr- this is trashy. This is, like this it's is, it's Jake Paul. It's Logan Paul. It's showbiz. Like it's it's not, it's not it's not the stuff you want to be a part of at all. Leave it to the other guys. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I will actually talk to Ronan. He, uh, without putting words in his mouth, I mean, nice to misquote you, Ronan, as opposed to us misquoting Sportspiel for a change. But he certainly, you know, in comparison with a year ago, Taylor by dint of age and everything else is maybe not where she was a year ago. So, you know, this fight is going to be a very close run thing, really um, an epic. And uh, I guess with all sport, you want a bit of jeopardy, and there's lots of jeopardy with this fight. Surely Gregory Peck is a great name for chickens, says Owen. I don't know if we want to go down the chicken yes. naming route because really it's pointless. Tommy has yes, named his chickens already. Now, unless, of course, he's expanding his business and wants to name the hundreds of chickens he will ultimately own in the coming years. But uh, you're right, Gregory Peck is uh, a great name for a chicken. But like, really, this is where it ends, Owen. But uh, thank you for your submission to 53106. Uh, Australian Open, Ashley Barty is through to the final. Yeah, she's the first Australian woman, believe it or not, since 1980 to reach the final of the Australian Open. Wendy Turnbull, the last. This year's top seed beat Madison Keys 6-1-6-3 today. Barty will play another American in the final, that being Danielle Collins. The 28-year-old beat seven seed Iga Svantec in straights. Collins was asked afterwards if her years of playing college's tennis will have prepared her for the partisan crowd she'll encounter on Saturday. 
I sure hope so. Um, you know, I, I think in college you get used to having an adverse crowd quite often. Um, I always enjoyed it. I, I love um, playing with energy, whether it's for me, against me, neutral. I just love hearing people and having that that fun energy and so I, I hope that it's prepared me well but we'll find out this is going to be a little bit bigger stadium than some of the college matches I, I competed in but I'm just going to try to do the best I can and embrace every moment. I expect it's going to be a little bit better. I, I know they, they get into their college sports in America but going up against the most partisan Australian crowd possible uh, is going to be something else for Danielle Collins. Uh, the league is starting. We're still January but the Allianz Football League is starting this weekend and it is this real condensed calendar so teams by and large it seems are going to be taking it seriously right from the off to want to hit the ground running and the starting 15s are starting to come in. Mayo amongst them. Yeah, and Jason Doherty is to make his first Mayo appearance since the summer of 2019. He's been named at full forward for Sunday's Allianz Football League opener with Donegal. Doherty suffered a knee injury in his last meeting with Donegal back in the Super 8s in 2019 and injured the other knee during the course of his recovery. There's a league debut for Donegal McHugh in that Mayo side and a first league start as well for Aidan Orm. Uh, yeah, so it's come around pretty quickly, Joe. Uh, yeah. it, it, I, I know it's it's always this time of the year, but um, with the fact that you know championship for a lot of teams starts mid-April, you do really want to get a bit of momentum. At Mayo, it's a bit of a mix and match at the moment. There's still some players coming back. They're obviously waiting on Oshie Mullen and Killian O'Connor, and it's a tough old game. Like that division one is properly stacked this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, I have to say, more so than in a lot of recent years uh, for a variety of reasons. Dublin, I'm going to try and watch every Dublin game I can. I'm fascinated, absolutely fascinated to see how they respond this year. I fully suspect, I have to say, they're going to win the All-Ireland of 2022 with a vengeance and with anger. And that is very much how I see this summer going. Uh, but I'm going to be watching them carefully just to <laughs> copper fasten my view because definitely standards slipped in very small, minute ways last year with Dublin. And I do fully anticipate that the, the Kilkennys of the group, the Fentons of the group, and Desi Farrell, to be fair, mm. will look at that Mayo match and say, that really did not feel good. That is not happening again. So uh, the dubs, I'll be watching every step of the way, more so in some respects than in recent years when they were just a well-oiled machine. And then, of course, there's Mayo. I, I don't know what you think. Like... I would have said when Horan took over, such a brilliant manager, he probably had 2022 or 2023 in mind as when they might make an All-Ireland final and really challenge again. And they've had this weird experience of being there twice, ahead of schedule probably. So I don't really know what to expect from Mayo or, or to what extent they'll kick on this year. Well, Mayo have got Galway first up in the championship, so they need something from the league. You do not want to be going into that off the back of another relegation. You want to prove actually week in, week out, you can compete with Dublin and Donegal and Kerry and Tyrone so uh, you're, I, I would agree with you I felt that Mayo were probably in a period of transition talking to people back home they seemed to think actually that the talent was there and that there was definitely it wasn't the case of it coming a year or two too early and that actually with the players stepping away you would worry for the depth in the squad but I think I, I'd be with you I, I think Dublin are the ones to watch because if the league were to go wrong badly wrong for Dublin you would get the sense that ooh, something is wrong is is gone inside the camp yeah. but I'd be with you I uh, you know I, I have full respect for Owen Sheehan's power rankings I think you look at Dublin as number one and then Mayo Kerry Tyrone could beat Dublin but probably nobody else and then below that you have six or seven teams who could beat the other three so yeah it's uh, it, like, we know what sort of a dogfight the league is and it's why we want to see it in the summer that actually 
Mayo Donegal in the first week yeah, of the championship, great. Richie, uh, in a, even in a league format, is huge because there are two sides who are in that sort of third to sixth ranking that you start with a win and you're flying then for the spring. So, yeah, these are big games right from the off. Yeah, you kind of figure that there's... Um, I, th- I think there might even be an element still a shadow box. And, hold on, I'm going to have a dog well, out here. All up, all up. <laughs> Heard all the chicken talk. At Cluck Morris. We are going down this route, it seems. Lads, a great uh, name for who? Tommy's chicken business will be That's a Foul. That's oh, Andrew and Cork. Yeah. That would be a great name. Uh, who... <laughs> Who does own Sheehan have as number one, by the way? I, I assume, he is, assume he is Dublin. Okay. Got to accept it. Uh, Chris Hensworth is a good chicken name, to be fair, says Alan. It's, yeah. it's not bad either. Uh, here's, a, here's a sign that I once had a different life and wasn't always like this. I once met Chris Hemsworth in uh, Sydney, and I have a photo where both of us are topless, and it's not as bad as you would think. Well, I think we would all like to see that Can photo. Can we see that photo? Uh, no, yeah. no, that's uh, that's not going to happen. That's it's a long time ago for both of us. Our careers have gone a slightly different direction Give since the then. What they want. Yeah, that, was, that was a tough time in Hensworth's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it sure was. It sure was. Uh, what else you got for us, Richie? Uh, the dog has been released nine to one shot. Longhouse poet won the Tiestes Chase at Gorham Park today. The William Mullins trained Franco de Port was beaten into second with Mister Fogpatches third at eleven to one. Uh, well, Patrick Harrington's best of the Irish on two under par following the opening day of Golf's Dubai Desert Classic. The former European Ryder Cup captain shot around seventy today. Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy, Jonathan Caldwell, all of them carded one under par rounds of seventy one, and they're six off the lead of Denmark's Joachim B Hansen. Uh, Golf Weekly is up right now. OTBSports.com forward slash Golf Weekly sign up on Patreon really good episode this week it's brilliant to see Harrington and it's one of the great things about golf Harrington has turned 50 he's going to be splitting his year between the European Tour the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour where there's no cuts it's easy money all his mates are there he's the rookie he's the young guy the fresh guy and he seems to be really excited about the opportunity yet here he is though still with the peak of the European Tour and able to outscore Lowry and McElroy yeah it's a very Harrington thing isn't it and You've made the point, and I tend to agree with you, that uh, Phil Mickelson and Harrington are were always very likely to break the oldest major winner record. Phil did it last year. Harrington finished fourth in that very same tournament. I still think he's going to give us a Sunday mm. at a US Open, particularly an Open, maybe even a PGA on the right course. I still think he's going to give us a Sunday, which will blow our socks off. So, um, I, And do you know, if anyone is in any way interested in golf, even casually, the European Tour, the DP World Tour, as it's now called, I suppose, uh, put up a video just last week. Shane Larry and Harrington have these very fabled, celebrated chipping contests the week of tournaments, and they're always mentioned, have been in dispatches for years. And so the European Tour uh, decided to do the obvious and record one of these, and it's really good. And you get a sense of the relationship they have, and, and uh, you know, I guess what good practice. It is as well. So yeah, it's a it's a very Harrington thing that uh, post Ryder Cup when he should be winding down. He's top top twenty last week and best of the Irish today. I must have and Joe have similar challenges, but both of us end up crying after about fifteen minutes <laughs> as to how terrible it all is. Broken clubs, tears. Uh, Irish international coming back close to home, Richie. Yeah, Diane Caldwell has signed for Manchester United women until the end of the season. She's the first Irish player to have signed uh, for Manchester United. The Republic of Ireland defender joins from North Carolina Courage, where she was a teammate, of course, of Denise O'Sullivan. United currently, currently even sit third in the Women's Super League, and Caldwell could make her debut at Arsenal next week. Uh, so, Did you see her statement? Go on. 
Oh, it's amazing. So Diane Caldwell uh, released a statement on the back of signing for Manchester United. Uh, she's 33 now, I think. Uh, maybe 34. Don't want to do a disservice. Certainly 33, I think. 33. And yeah. yeah. Uh, so her statement, uh, words to the effect, are that, you know, a bit like anyone of that uh, vintage, supported Manchester United all her life, saw the great teams, in love with the club. And she said her entire life has been leading up to signing for Manchester United. And she just cannot believe it's happened. And she was unveiled at Old Trafford. And it's kind of an amazing thing uh, when you consider that obviously when she was watching Manchester United winning trebles and winning all those leagues and Ferguson and everything there wasn't even a Manchester United women's team so again you know parallels with Taylor in how much the world has changed in the last 15 years that's kind of like dream come true stuff for her Yes, brilliant photographs as well up on the uh, Manchester United Twitter, as you say, ever been unveiled at Old Trafford today. Uh, just to finish up, Richie, then, a title partner, an interesting title partner for the Women's Six Nations. Yeah, entertainment platform TikTok has become the title partner of the Women's Six Nations Championship. It is the first time that the tournament will have a title partner with the deal set to run until 2025. Ireland start their campaign against Wales in March. TikTok will also become an official partner to the Men's Six Nations Tournament as well as the Autumn Nations Series. Never take off, Joe. Have you ever been, have you joined TikTok? Of course I've joined TikTok. I don't, I don't say this lightly. It's the most addictive of them. Oh. It's frightening. The worst. to get off I had to get off it. You're gone, are you? Your units of time were like, there's an hour gone. You just can't get off it. It, it, it work, the algorithm works you out in 10 seconds flat. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a big deal, though, for the Women's Six Nations. Um, I'd be interested to see yeah, what they do with it uh, as well over the next couple of years. But you're right, Joe. Uh, to say it's addictive is putting it mildly. I think it surpassed uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all of those already yeah. in terms of the amount of time people spend on it. Yeah, it's taken over. And everybody under the age of 20 is like, God, these, these old guys. These old guys. Oh, my God. I had to leave it. It's addictive. A, a that's the fun of it. That's, that's why we're on it. It is addictive. We like it yeah. being addictive. I'd say uh, also a bunch of them have said, we've got to get off TikTok if these lads are on. Yeah, TikTok. well, there is. We're on to another new thing if these guys yeah, yeah. are hanging around, which is fair enough. Richie, thank you as always. Nice one. Joe, good stuff. There's lads. All right, once again, we got ourselves a cash machine winner. So Ronan O'Shea was relaxed and he was watching the horse racing on TV in South Kerry when he took our call just after three o'clock and he knew the correct amount in the cash machine won himself over 7,000 euro. If you want to win the new number, 10,782 euro 36 cent. That is up for grabs. Just text in to play 57599. So text play to 57599. Get them in by three o'clock tomorrow. And remember the number 10,782 euro and 36 cent. John Giles on the way next.